Dirt Reporters podcast for the week of June 23rd. Where we're talking about Dirt Car Summer Nationals and big events for both the Lucas Oil Series and the World of Outlaws Late Models and a few other topics if we can squeeze them in to our weekly chat here. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined by the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff, including our boots-on-the-ground journalist for week one of the Summer Nationals last week, Robert Holman. Robert, how are you? Uh, we're doing great. Enjoyed the first week of the Summer Nationals. Glad to uh, get you back out there on the tour this coming week, though. I'm glad to be home. I bet after uh, five straight nights of, of racing there, uh, you enjoying being back home. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out there and, uh, and taking over on-site coverage of the Summer Nationals. Speaking of on-site coverage, uh, Kevin Kovac, our senior writer, was on-site at the, uh, the new, I guess you would call it, Bloomberg speedway but did you have a good trip out there to check out the new place yeah it's, it's not named after mayor bloomberg it's me it's uh, bloomsburg bloomsburg oh, uh, joshua go. come on right you know so <laughs> appreciate the correction <laughs> yeah that's right i know it's a pennsylvania track so it's like it's in my neck of the woods here so uh but it was pretty cool got to see a race there uh, saturday's race the outlaw race the sealings grove rained out though so uh, they didn't get a second race uh, within an hour and a half from me, but uh, well, I guess I'll pop, mention Bloomsburg a little bit later uh, when we're when we're talking here. Yeah, it's unfortunate a couple of rainouts up there in in your neck of the woods, but at least you had that one to to hit there to to finish up the weekend. And last but not least, our uh, managing editor Todd Turner. Todd, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm we're in the throes of the summer nationals. We got got it going on. That's right. Speaking of the Summer Nationals, we uh, are coming off a week one that saw five races, and we're going into week two. If you're listening to this, obviously on Wednesday when it publishes, it'll be uh, kicking off week two at LaSalle. I'll be there if we can get this podcast finished and I can catch my flight in time today. But I figure we'd take a look back, not necessarily recapping everything. We always assume that our listeners are up to date on most everything that's going on as far as the exact results. But with everything that goes on in Summer Nationals, uh, and all the other events going on, it's often uh, easy to miss some things. So I figured we'd let Robert start by kind of giving us a, a brief overview of the first week, kind of the, the highlights that kind of set the tone for the for the series there, uh, what we should look forward to going forward. What were those those moments and those uh, two or three maybe highlights that you can think of there, Robert? You know, one of the things that really stood out, for, uh, I guess, to me was the, was the competition level. thought that, you know, five races – and I thought that three of those were just excellent, excellent races. Not necessarily all of them went right down to the wire, but, um, you know, obviously Peoria was caution-free race that, that was back and forth. It was very exciting. And, and Tri-City had a, an excellent finish there. You know, it was right there at the wire. And then even Fairbury, even though Shannon Babb kind of pulled away there at the end, I thought the racing was excellent, and I thought that, you know, one of the, the tones, I guess, was just excellent racing, and the competition level in terms of the drivers who were out on the tour for the first week. You know, I'm not really sure if Devin Moran is going to be back in week two, but he was he was one of those, you know, that picked up a win, and so to have him out there, to have a Tanner English running really well, and um, Billy Moyer actually showed a lot of speed just never had any any luck uh billy moyer jr i should say uh out, out there on the tour mitch mcgrath just some some really as todd pointed out earlier this week some some fresh faces and then to have those guys giving your summer nationals stalwarts like bab and and pierce and english i mean uh, uh, bab and and pierce and uh, unzicker 
and uh, those guys, uh, Shirley, that's who I'm trying to think of, Brian Shirley, to, to have those guys uh, have some competition is is refreshing. And that's the one thing that stood out to me is it's, it just seemed it just seemed like a very refreshing week with the competition level and the mix of competition. Car counts are excellent. You know, I think they're averaging 36 cars. We had a high of 47 at Fairbury and a low of 24 at Brownstown. The weather hasn't been terrible except for the one day at uh, uh, over at Tri-City where it's 104 degrees, which was blazing hot. You know, it was crazy hot over there. I mean, it just felt like, it felt like at Tri-City, it felt like you were standing on the beach in mid-July in Daytona and just having the the wind coming off off of it and just it, it was it was terrible I mean it was it was just it, it was very it was terrible uh, it was the hottest I think I can recall being at a track and you unfortunately didn't have the beach to go uh cool off in <laughs> exactly you know and on top of that you've got you know Shannon Shannon Babb picking up win number 99 so you know after a, we all thought okay he's going to get that 100 really easy and then all of a sudden he kind of is scheduled. He doesn't run as many of these summer nationals races. And, and you're like, well, maybe he's it's not going to get to 100 as easy. And then, uh, and he put on a man, a, a great show at Fairbury running around the bottom of the racetrack there and, uh, to pick up win number 99, which was obviously, you know, very special to him, you know, one win away from, from Mr. Smooth. And so, you know, I think the the history and, and the respect between those two is excellent between him and Billy Moyer Sr., Billy Moyer. You've got a lot to look forward to coming up this week, uh, Joshua. You really do. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like I'm jumping into a lot of potential storylines as I'm going out and doing my first week on the tour there. Uh, you bring up a lot a lot of storylines to kind of dissect or we can kind of talk about, and I do want to mention a few or talk about a few of them. The first one that jumps out to me, and I also noticed – uh, and watching from afar was the overall competition level. And it seemed like, and I even talked about this in our fast talk piece earlier, earlier this week about how it's, it kind of reminded you more of the old school, uh, you know, uh, good old days of the series where there were a lot more than just the, you know, two or three Illinois guys racing for the, the win just about every, every night. It seems like kind of, it gets to at some points these days, but you know, seeing that, and I'll, I'll start with you, Todd and kick it to you here. Do you, you feel like, you know, the, the reports of the demise of the summer nationals are premature or is this just kind of, uh, you know, just a, a good start that may not last. What do you think, uh, as far as the series going forward, the rest of the next few weeks and the rest of the tour, the long tour we have, uh, after seeing this first week? Yeah, I think it's been great. And I think it, it's kind of been classic summer nationals. Uh, when we talk about the demise or the things we don't like about it, I think it's mostly that it's that it's long and, and isn't as compact and such. You can still have these good weeks and and a really a good start, like like you guys said, lots of neat guys in the mix, some, some different guys, uh, the Illinois guys. One one guy that jumps out at me a lot was uh, Ron Unziker. He could easily have two wins if things fall his way a little bit, you know. He and he uh he had a good uh, good run at Peoria there and then really he everything but passed Moran at Kankakee. Um so yeah, this is a good start to the series and 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 another good week or two. I mean what you know what you don't want to do is get get some rain outs and stuff to already break up an already kind of overextended series. So I, I'd hate to see that. Uh but these first five races, that's a that's a great start. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. What do you think, Kevin? What's your for overall take on the uh, the first week of the Summer Nationals? Yeah, I thought it was pretty neat where I think Tanner English, you know, he got the got the win 
on, on Friday night. And he also had, uh, you know, several to- top five, I think, in every other race, too. It, he might have been the first time a guy – it's been a while since you had a guy like that that's planning to run the whole series uh, from outside of the Illinois base there, come in and, and get off to a start like that. I, I, th- I thought that was pretty impressive. I mean, I'm looking back, I don't know, maybe – is it 2012, maybe? I don't know, Billy Moyer Jr., when he won three out of four uh, of the first four races, and he was like a – he's obviously not an Illinois guy. And um, so I, I, I that stuck out to me where this Tanner English comes in, he says he's going to do the whole whole thing, and and he had a really good start. And there, there's been and, – and I like, like, the everybody's talked about, like, the competition level, and it has been – pretty impressive. I didn't see anybody just, there's nobody that was just out there like stepping up and dominating. Nobody pulled away really far and and just dominated races, even if they would have led every lap. I mean, it wasn't like Bobby Pierce in his first two wins, they weren't totally uh, runaways. You know, there were still some doubt about what was going to happen down the stretch in in every race. So uh, that was a good start. And it, and it's just it's just that length of the thing. I wish I mean, I wish this you'd have be able to keep this nucleus of drivers. You could do that for a, a three, maybe four weeks. Uh, but when it gets into this 36 races, the length of it is and then there's a break in between there for before the finale, the final stretch. It It's just hard to keep everybody uh, uh, the, the competition level that that high because guys, there's just there's just not going to there's not enough not a point fund money for a guy to finish sixth or seventh in the point standings and do that many races. Um, and so there's, there's, they're going to find other things to do. They look at it at the point, you know, their tire equipment gets tired. So I just wish it was more compact again, so that we could, you could have better chance of keeping that uh, competition uh, so strong among everybody before wearing everybody out. Uh, I think uh, I think that's a, a point to make. And one other one I, I just noted too. I have to note, man. Well, let's let's give a shout out to that Tim Lance. How about him? I, it's a week ago now, back in the opener at Brownstown. But man, that was a that was a good show he put on. I mean, that would have been one of the bigger upsets in Summer Nationals recent history, probably. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody was picking Tim Lance, the you know veteran guy, to come out there and win that race. But he really put a, he was really good on the bottom and even took the lead from uh, Bobby Pierce for a little bit and uh, before having a felt you know felt back to a, a couple spots before then. But but really good show for Lance, who's a big uh, supporter of the Summer Nationals the last few years. He likes getting out there and traveling. Jeez, and he has half the field right now with his two kids running it seems like too <laughs> he's got a lot of a lot of race car a lot of lances out there racing i, I love the when pierce uh pierce won at brownstown he wasn't even sure it was lance that had passed him you know he's like who was in the 48 car which which harkens back to when scott weber won at hobstadt in 2012 no one knew who was in the car and all the people in the interviews are saying oh yeah whoever <laughs> that guy was that passed me was which is always a good sign that, that it would be an upset if uh, guys don't know who's in the car also to mention tanner english uh you know he married an illinois girl he lives in illinois now i mean i we we claim him in kentucky still but but he's uh he's moonlighting as an illinois guy but uh, but i agree uh, it is nice to have a English is outside that realm of the normal uh, Illinois guys we think about. Certainly, and and you guys all bring up some some interesting points. And the one thing I would follow up on is about the the idea that if this was a more compact series that we would see racing like this past week the entire time, uh, maybe not all the names, the same drivers staying on, but that it does seem like it would be lend itself to more drivers sticking with it for the full series if it was shorter. Uh, which brings up the question: is is who's 
going to be left. Uh, as uh, I think Robert mentioned, uh, it doesn't look like Devin Moran plans on going back uh, after this this break uh, that we're not used to. A little break here. He doesn't plan on going back, was only planning on doing the, the first week. So there's one you're losing. It's not clear, or, or maybe, Robert, you can add, uh, you know, shed some light on this, but I don't think Bobby Pierce plans on running the whole thing. Kind of what, what is it shaping up, Robert, uh, as we go into week two here? Who is on the series? Who's in the points battle? Who are we looking at being the names that stick with it, uh, you know, for the whole thing? Uh, potentially or at least planning to uh well if you're talking about trying to to stretch it out and do you know all 36 i think you've got uh brian shirley tanner english uh you have jason fager my understanding pierce is going to try to get 31 in which would be the the minimum i guess that you could have and and drop five because you know you get to drop five events and uh which that's a maybe a whole nother discussion but you get to drop five of your worst finishes so if pierce gets 31 races in then of course the five he would drop would be the ones he would miss so technically i guess pierce would be doing them all if if you look at it that way it just depends on how you you know how you want to slice that but uh, uh ryan unzicker has told me that he you know they're, they're they're not obviously we know shannon babb is not going to um i don't I don't know about Billy Moyer Jr. I kind of don't suspect he will do them all. So um, I don't know if I've left anybody else out there, but you're, you've got, you know, Tanner English and um, uh, Brian Shirley, Jason Fager, to me, stand out as the three who who are, you know, going to to be in it for the long haul. So that does kind of set the stage there. Those Those three are your – presumptive title contenders or at least i don't say title contenders but the ones that plan on trying to run as many races as they can perhaps all of them and then perhaps a bobby pierce uh can run you know enough to to count his races uh his 30 best 31 or however he ends up being with the the rain out also um uh, ashton winger has told me he's going to run until he has no equipment left so which that could be one race it could be 40 <laughs> races so uh you know but uh, he told me he was going to run until there was nothing left. And I love that approach. You know, he's uh, uh, after that bonsai move that, that got him in trouble with the wall and his father the other night uh, down there at Tri-City. Uh, he told me that um, at Fairbury, he was a little bit more conservative there towards the end of that race. He said he got down in the bottom and got passed by two or three cars that he probably shouldn't have got passed by. But. Uh, you know, he was taking a little more conservative approach because, you know, 10th was better than on the trailer. So, uh, so depends on how, how he fares, but yeah, Ashton Winger is another one that's going to try to try to do them all. And Mitch McGrath also told me that he's going to try to do them all, but Mitch has, um, one car and two motors. So, and, you know, and he has been on the wall twice, I think already himself and kind of, uh, and Mitch is out there uh, doing it with his uh, wife and his, I think, a teenage son is his only crew. So and that's, that's very tough to do with a full crew. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from Mitch's crew because I know that, that they're working their tails off for sure. So those are kind of a handful of guys who are, are planning to do it if they can make it. You know, again, yeah. 36 races is a lot of races. That's a classic summer nationals quote and approach we're going to run it until we don't have any equipment left that's <laughs> i like that there uh anything anything else guys any other uh you know for, for those of us watching from afar any other questions for robert or thoughts on what we've seen so far 
I want to actually ask Robert. He did mention that uh, Ashton Winger got in trouble with his dad, Gary, after that uh, incident, after he hit that wall uh, on that last restart at uh, at Tri City. And I know, I mean, I, that's exactly what I was thinking when he hit that wall. And because uh, I know last year was a race at Davenport, I believe uh, it, uh, that Ashton had an incident late in the race where he's running well, hit the wall, and and Gary was not very happy. I think he even uh, did a little number on. Uh, uh, on on Ashton's helmet after that race, and uh, you know, might have, might have beat it up a little bit, you know, because he wasn't very happy about it. I mean, not with him in it, but you know, but uh, <laughs> but he was. And he, so Ashton had to get a new helmet delivered, uh, you know, on the road there after that. But so I was wondering, uh, like, uh, how how that would have uh, turned out. I mean, what Gary's reaction would have been, and I'm sure he wasn't too happy. <laughs> Uh, he w- was not very happy. I didn't actually talk to Gary. I did talk to Ashton the next day and I, and he, we were just chatting and he said something about it. And, uh, and I'm like, I can't remember exactly what we said, but I'm like, did your, is that what your dad said? He goes, yeah. And a whole lot more. So I, so I assume, you know, that, that his, his dad was in his ear considerably after that event. Yes. I think, you know, Kevin on a, on a side note there, I think it's, we talk about that relationship between those two, but you know, on uh, Father's Day, uh, Ashton posted a picture of him and his dad standing on top of a truck, and it said something, you know, like, like talking about Happy Father's Day, and it's like to my best friend. So you know, that kind of tells you what kind of relationship that they that they have there. You know, it's uh, it's a, a Sometimes a strained working relationship, but there's a lot of lot of love right there as those two go up and down the road. Well, I think that will uh, wrap up our summer national, at least for now, review summer nationals review of week one, and uh, we're gonna move on and discuss uh, some other big events uh, from the from the past weekend. Of course, the both national tours were in action, uh, however abbreviated, with uh, uh, both the World of Outlaws and Lucas Oil getting affected by rain. The World of Outlaws did get one of their three shows in the Northeast End at State Line Speedway. There in New York with Dave Hess Jr. I, I don't know if you call it an upset, uh, you know, since he's he's done it before. Uh, I'll, Kevin, I'll kind of turn to you. Would you call that an upset? Not there. I wouldn't call that. I mean, I would like you think of uh, of Stateline. That's a place where some guys up in you know Stateline Erie's circuit there, where some locals. It's there's some pretty tough locals. You know, they've they've won before. Uh, Hess's win wasn't even actually on that circuit when he won his outlaw race back. Uh, you know, but I think it was eight years ago. He did it at Wayne County in Ohio. Uh, so he'd really been wanting to win one more on home turf, and, and he finally—I mean—he's been really hot to, up there this year. He, he's, I think, seven wins now, comp- uh, just with between those two racetracks, and um, came in really with a, with a good race car uh, on those circuits. So, I mean, you had to expect that he could uh, beat him. And, and Max Blair is a, another guy who's won up there uh, and, and beat the Outlaws several times now, and. And uh, he was in the mix too. He just, he, I think, actually has passed him in the heat race to win it to get up front in the heat to get up front in the feature. And then uh, Max was coming on and he had a little bit of damage just front end too. Ended up third in the race. Uh, so that's that's one of those just one of those circuits where you know that there's going to be some uh, some guys that could beat the Outlaws. I mean, it happened the first the first when I did the PR for the Outlaws. The first race I ever covered was uh in 2006 at state line and the winner was dick barton you know a, a, a legend kind of in that in that uh, circuit of eries and state line so um i i saw it firsthand back then and it's it's still happening hess ran a great race uh, there was uh 
no doubt that he was the top car, I think, in that. I mean, he had Shepard behind him at the end, and, and, and Shepard couldn't handle him, uh, couldn't get by him or anything. So he never really got close enough to really throw a move on him down the stretch either. Yeah, State Line has uh, earned a reputation of, I don't I don't say surprise winners, but a uh, non-series regular at least, and that, that uh, guys from that area, you know, being able to stand up to the outlaws. Of course, there was uh, no surprise winner on the Lucas Oil Tour at Magnolia, almost, I guess you could say, with uh, Michael Arnold getting a, a solid runner-up finish there in Saturday's finale. Uh, but, of course, you had Jonathan Davenport win two, only two, uh, of the the two races there with the third uh, being some shuffling from the tropical storm that was moving through the south, uh, forcing series and track officials to move up the finale uh, from Saturday to Friday and uh, did away with Friday's planned uh, prelim race. And so uh, I guess, uh, did, did it, Todd, to you, did it uh, discredit, can we still call it a sweep uh, with, with Davenport winning two races and not three? Do we, do we still call that a sweep? What do you think, Todd? Yeah, I guess a, a condensed sweep. I mean, you're not going to take anything away from a guy winning two races like that. And as we talked about before on Fast Talk, you know, it was nice that at least the series uh, kind of salvaged the weekend when the weather on Saturday was looking so dooming. And I'm sure Davenport glad is glad they did that. And, uh, um, you know, a bit more, more money up there on Friday, and it also became a points race there. But, uh, um, yeah, that's uh, good. You know, Davenport – a little surprised that you know i know he's he's won so much this year i didn't realize how much he hasn't won on the lucas oil series but uh now he's got four on that tour and uh as he continued his, his march up the points chase there yeah and one one unfortunate consequence i guess you would call it a result of the schedule change is the the way they did that and moved up saturday show the finale to to friday and they made it instead of fifteen thousand to win it was twelve thousand but they they restarted the program essentially and made friday's program a full regular lucas Oil program which meant thursday's prelim show essentially counted for nothing other than pay because it also didn't count for lucas Oil series points uh, and it was basically a you know a 5,000 win race for nothing, which was unfortunate and you know no no real way around that. But it did kind of get me thinking uh, you know about these formats because we're seeing that you know two day two prelim night uh, features or two nights of prelim racing into a Saturday big show seems to be becoming more uh, common for these big races. I believe that's the the program that. Um, Lernerville is going to run this coming up weekend for the Firecracker 100. Uh, the Show Me runs it. The Topless 100 runs it. Um, Eldora runs a version of that where I personally like better, where they split the fields for those two prelim nights and run uh, twin features. But it got me thinking, like, what is a, I don't say perfect, but what is the ideal format for a, a big, bigger event like these? And uh, I wonder if you guys had any thoughts on that from a kind of all-around perspective, what the fans would enjoy, what works for the, the drivers and the teams, you know, we as reporters it doesn't really matter what we like, but perhaps what you like. Uh, what is your perfect format or ideal format for a big weekend event like that? Uh, uh, Robert, I'll, I'll start with you. Do you got a take on that? Well, you know, first of all, uh, I will preface this by saying I hate uh, having to stay at the racetrack for all these prelim nights. I hate it. Uh, I actually liked uh, Eldora from a thousand years ago when – you know, you came and qualified on that one night, but I know that that's, that's old, old and, and worn out and that's people have to make money. So I completely understand the desire and the need to get away from just a, a strictly qualifying night only. I completely understand that. And I'm, and I'm behind that. I, I, I get that. Um, but I don't think that you need to stay at a track, you know, two nights is enough, uh, you know, and if you're going to do, 
And I think, you know, I like the prelims, the prelim nights. Uh, let's do one prelim night, split that field, let everybody have a chance to race and make a little money, which is kind of what you were doing anyway, which is the whole, I thought the object behind it is to try to give drivers a chance to make money and give fans a little bit of, you know, a taste of a feature, you know, for their money. So I think everybody wins that way. If you have, even if it's a 40 car field, you split them in, you know, in, in two, split them in two and, and then just race and, and then come back, let that help you set your heat lineups for the next day and you come back and run your, run your show. I think to me, that's the, the perfect, the perfect deal. You know, sometimes I think we've run into twice that I can remember this year where we didn't have really enough car, maybe three times at a different, different locales that we didn't really have enough cars to, to even run a split field. Uh, if that's the case, you know, don't be afraid to uh, to throw an audible out there and, and run run back to back features. You know, run them twins that night. You know, and invert some cars. You know, spice it up a little bit. But uh, but having being there for a prelim night to pace five k or four or five or whatever on Thursday, and then come back and do it again on Friday. And to me, that's a little excessive. Uh, I think that one night of that is enough, and then come back with the uh, the, the major, you know, night on your finale. Um, you know, if you want to keep people there three nights, have a practice night, which people are like, uh, practice, you know, practice is optional. You don't, you don't have to come to practice. You know, if you don't appreciate or like a practice or need anything to work on then stay home, finish your car or whatever you need to do. If you're a fan and don't want to, you know, see, come out to the track that night and spend money. Cause a lot of these practices, you know, they give, they, you don't have to pay to get in the stands anyway. So you can come and sit and watch a little action for, for free if you're local. Uh, and also I think the practice night gives like, if you're a camper or something, I remember back in the days when I was a kid and I used to go to uh, a lot of Winston cup races, NASCAR races back in the day, we'd leave home on a Wednesday and we would camp all weekend. It was enough. It was a big deal. It was a, it was a, it was a big, huge affair, you know, to, to, to go and be gone that long. And, uh, but now the way the cup deal is, and you're there for one day, I don't have time to take my camper out there for one day and set up for one, for one night. You know, I mean, that's, I ain't, I'm not doing all that work for, for one, for one day and then leaving the next day. That's too much work for me to have to do with a freaking camper. You know, if you're a kid camping is fun, right? If you're an adult camping, eh, you know, not always fun because you're having to do all the work. So, so if you want to have a practice night, that way campers can come out, set up on a Thursday night and, and uh, come out and watch a free practice. Whoever shows up, go mingle through the pits when it's over with, get some autographs, get some pictures, have some good food, uh, you know, play some cornhole and then, and then get ready for uh, a race on Friday and Saturday. You know, I just think two days is, is plenty to be at a racetrack. That's just, just my, my opinion. So I'll, I'll agree with a uh, kind of agree with your points there. I think the three day format I do like, uh, but I'll, I'll agree with you, Robert, whenever you, you kind of uh, the idea that, you know, that gives and giving drivers and teams a chance to make more money. Is it really whenever you're going, you know, to run essentially a regional payout, regional series payout, which is what Thursday and Friday were uh, at Magnolia, uh, you know, against a national tour caliber field. Uh, the idea of splitting the fields, I, I, I like that where you, you know, and that, again, this is all got to be balanced, of course, with tracks making money and making it make sense for them. 
But that does, you know, make a little more sense to me if you can split the fields like Eldora does. I think we saw Cherokee Speedway had a, a, a big World of Outlaws event where they did that. I think Boone uh, was was uh, did exactly what you alluded to, Robert, where they were going to have split fields but didn't have enough. So they had twin features uh, with the full field, uh, but only one night of having to be there for that. So I think if it's a bigger event like, like the Show Me 100 where you're racing for – yes, you're racing for I think 6000 to win or whatever the payouts are – on Thursday and Friday, but you're also racing, uh, you know, the chance to make the 2000 just for making the show on Saturdays, $2,000 and a chance at 30,000. Same thing with the topless. I believe it's 2000 to start most years and, and then a 40,000 to win. So it makes more sense to have, you know, an extra night, I guess. But at the, at the my problem, I think when you use that for a race like Magnolia, that's 15,000 to win and a thousand to start. It's really not much more than a normal Lucas oil race. I don't think it makes sense. And it does. I know it doesn't make sense for a lot of regional racers. Cause you know, as I have a fam, my family races and regional racer, and that's why they didn't go this past weekend and chose to, was going to go to a Southern all-stars race and race for the same payout, but only one night against a, a, you know, a normal regional series field that you would expect for that payout. So I think that's where I guess I would, if you're going to run that three night format, it's gotta be worth it. Uh, on Saturday's payout to get a, to get away or get by with offering those two less payouts against a full field. Well, another one format that kind of had some popularity was the passing points. Uh, and I know Todd, when you, you know, the Arizona races, which you covered a lot of used to do that, you know, you have any uh, take on passing points? Is that, you know, that a thing of the past? I know it was popular at one point. What, what's your thoughts on, on that format? Oh my goodness. I mean, that's like asking me what caused the civil war. I mean, geez, you're just throwing, <laughs> throwing a can of worms at me. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll briefly address passing points. I, I, I like passing points sometimes, not for every race, not for every situation, but I certainly think they have their place. Uh, and then the larger, larger, uh, on the bigger picture about formats and, and for the special events, I, I do like that there is a mix of them now, you know, you, you know, I'm coming from the old days where have a Tampa was running, you know, two night shows, hundred lappers on Saturdays and just qualifying the heats on Fridays. The, you know, the Friday thing was pretty unsatisfying uh, for the bigger events, you know, having those three days, it, it does seem, it does seem to to make the last day wane a little bit because everyone's kind of been there for three days and such. But I do like the mix of formats. One thing we haven't talked about is uh, uh, what the Prairie Dirt Classic does. They kind of have uh, uh, kind of semi features on Friday night and give you know shorter features, splitting them up I guess into four groups. Uh, and that kind of harkens back for me the Jackson 100 kind of back when it was in its prime they would have and that was just a single day unsanctioned event uh, for many years and the night before they would run what they called the night before the Jackson and they would just all comers so they would just split them up into however many features to make 20 cars in each feature so have three or four features you know paying a thousand to win or something so you got to see all these good guys and basically kind of a tune-up night gave them a little money gave fans you know something to watch um um you know it, we were talking about kevin and i at, at eldora we <laughs> kind of got a little nostalgic for the old uh the old eldora format uh uh, and as you mentioned, Robert, why, why, you know, they've gone to the three days and we understand why that is, but there was some, some degree of mystery, uh, to that format when people rolled in only qualified the first night and never got on the track again until seven o'clock for the heat races. I mean, who's fast, 
who knows? I mean, you know, now we see the guys race two nights fully and then another set of, you know, and then they're out there. You know, by Saturday night, you know the few guys that are really the best cars. Uh, that mystery to that old Eldora format uh, uh, was kind of a lot of fun. And, and for my money, I wouldn't mind. Let's leave the dream with the three-day format. Let's let's go back to the world format. Uh, just 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 run we'll run qualifying the first night, and, and then we'll race the next night. Uh, I don't know. It, it would be a little bit of a throwback, but that would be okay with okay with me. One other format thing I'm not crazy about that came about is the double heats format. I think that for me that ran its course very quickly. You know, I think on paper that sounded like oh oh that's cool run double heats and invert them and or start them in different ways and then they get points for the next night and and you know it just it just doesn't do it just seems like a lot of heat racing and not a lot of payoff for you know set just setting the lineup for the next night so that that one for me is uh is less attractive than initially uh, i thought it might be i like one thing you said there is that you see some differences that they're not all the same uh, all these big events sometimes it is nice to have some uh, some of them mix it up a little bit not all doing the same exact thing what about you kevin what's your uh, your take on the uh, big event formats yeah i Todd mentioned the PDC. That's the one, uh, the Prairie Dirt Classic is the one that I kind of like now. It's like that two-day deal. Um, people get there. There's a lot of people there on Thursday. They could run another race. I mean, let's let's not let's not kid ourselves here. They could run another race and they'd make even more money because everyone's there almost. And but but they do that on Thursday and they have they have an auction. They have the golf tournament. They have the uh, everybody's camping. It, it just it gives everybody a chance to actually there's not many races anymore where people just have a chance to just sort of like get together and hang out and, 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 and have a little relaxing time there where they can have a little bit of fun without having to, you know, squeeze it in after running a whole entire race program. I mean, like, like a lot of, that's one of those things with Eldora where it used to be a little, I mean, it was pressure there on the Friday of, of, of uh, qualifying, but everyone was there on Thursday and they just kind of hung out and they were able to, you know, just a lot of camaraderie. I think that was built up in those days from doing that. There were, drivers would go hang out with the fans more like in a campsite or something after races, have a couple beers with them or maybe more than a couple. But, you know, like in the old days, but hey, but they would have fun and, uh, and not just be race, 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 race all the time. Uh, and I like that Fairbury. Yeah, this makes I think it adds to the atmosphere. You get to see everybody race on Friday with those four races, uh, those four semi features. Um, get that four guys in victory lane. You have a better chance of having some surprises come out there. When you run two nights in a row of full race programs with qualifying, you know, time trials both days, heat races, features. It, it's tough for a, a, a smaller regional team maybe to get in there. But I, if you only got one night. You could have somebody hit it and, and get in that feature, the big feature, uh, without having to go do it twice. I mean, if a guy does it on a, on a Thursday night with these uh, two, pro, two uh, preliminary night uh, deals, they might not hit it the next night, and then they're, they're not in the feature. or you know They don't have that great points uh, accumulation to be in there. But you get it that one night, they could hit it. Um, that's why I like, I'm, I'm obviously the, the bottom line, you know, of the racetracks, financial bottom lines are obviously looking at it and they want to be able to get three nights in and it's helping them. I mean, it's working for them. Uh, and, and I think maybe we're a little skewed here too, because we cover a lot of them 
and we have to remember there's not a lot of fans. The majority of the fans are just going to this race. They're going to that race. They're not going to uh, each week's races. We might get bored. We're not bored, but tired of it. Uh, you know, it might be a little more grueling because we're doing three nights at back to back to back a lot of times. And, and fans, that, that's their, that one race is what they go to. They got three nights and that's what their big deal is. But, uh, you know, overall, I would love to see the two day deal. I love the, love to do two days with the semi features, as long as there's enough cars to, to make that work. Help me remember here. Do you have to qualify again uh, on Saturday at the PDC? You have to like qualifying no, no, they take those, those semi features qualify. It's usually like the top four from each go right into the okay, so, 100. So lap, aren't, and then they have the B mains on Saturday. Okay. So then aren't the semi features just well-paid heat races? Well, basically yes. Yeah, semi features, but they're longer and they pay and they pay them. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so it's basically a two day format with some really good, well-paid heat races. That that's right. Exactly. You know, I mean, that, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's cool. I mean, you know, I have no problem with, with that, you know, because, you know, you're, they're not out there for a little eight or 10 lap dash and, and the drivers are getting zero, you know, in that situation. So if you're, they're having to run a little longer, they're getting paid a little more and everybody gets to run one. So I, it just saying, you know, it seems like, like I couldn't remember if they had to come back and qualify again on Saturday or not. So if they don't, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like that format a lot then. Sure. But kind of call it what it is. It's a, it's a heat race. That's you get really good money for. Yeah. Right. I yeah. Think, glorified heat races, to, really. Right. Yeah. I think we've decided that a two-day format with uh, splitting the fields in some kind of way and drivers getting paid for it is the way to go. So, if any track promoters, event promoters are listening, you uh, you hear our our take on it. So, <laughs> anyway. All right. So uh, I've got to get out of here to get to the airport. So we need to wrap this thing up, and that uh, means we're going to go into uh, what we do every week, which is our one more thing segment, where we each uh, kind of bring up one either race result or news topic or something that from the past week that stood out to us. Uh, I'm going to let Todd kick it off. Todd, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, I'll, I like this fun one. I saw it Bedford uh, at Bedford this weekend. Uh, they had the 13th father son combo uh, feature winners in their super late mall division in track history. Trevor feathers won. Uh, his father, Bo was a previous winner. And I thought that sounds like a big number, you know, for a track to have, 13 fathers and sons who both won super late model features. But indeed, the Bedford guys looked it up and gave me the list, and I'll just read it to you because it's pretty good. Uh, uh, some big names on there, Rick Eckert and his dad, Junior. Uh, another Junior, Junior Ritchie and Todd Ritchie. Uh, Ken Dixon and Nick Dixon. Tom Cleese and Chuck Cleese. Tom Myers and DJ Myers. Scott House and Andy House. Uh, Dion LaSalle and Nathan LaSalle. Booper Bear and Tyler Bear, Robbie Blair and Max Blair, uh, the Yoders, Jim and Dylan. Uh, and then we have uh, two fathers and sons who are also grandfathers. So Dave Troutman and DJ Troutman, both winners. Also DJ and then his son Drake, also a super late model winner. So, really, you know, it would be hard to find that at a lot of other tracks, but. I would be shocked if there's many tracks that have a lot uh, that have as many as a dozen uh, father-son duos that have both won uh, late model features that are track. So that was a uh, pretty cool. Todd coming at us with the history. I, I like it there, especially in uh, uh, following up uh, Father's Day this past weekend. So uh, very timely there. Uh, Robert, what do you got for your one more thing? I just wanted to, uh, uh, you know, kind of point out that we got a lot of races coming up this weekend. You know, a lot of big races this weekend coming up. Uh, Five-figure paydays. Among them is going to be the uh, the 
Ironman North series with two days because just a preliminary night on, on Friday for $4,000 to win and 12,000 on Saturday, uh, up there at, uh, atomic speedway. So I just kind of wanted to make mention of that because those guys, you know, that so far, I think Devin Moran is leading that tour, uh, right now. And I'm sure that, uh, that's a race that, uh, me and him talked about, he loves that racetrack and he wants to get back up there. So look for him to be really stout right there. Uh, Jared Hawkins, uh, uh, Tristan Chamberlain, uh, I suspect, um, uh, you'll see some, Michael Chilton types, you know, come in there and try to try to run that race as well. So uh, a great kind of uh, maybe under the with everything going on with the World Outlaws and the Lucas and with uh, uh, the summer national stuff happening right now, maybe kind of an under the radar regional race right there. That's, that's paying good money at one track for the weekend. So that should be fun. There you go. And Kevin, what you got? Uh, mentioned it earlier. I went to Bloomsburg Fair Speedway, uh, the first one ever, first race ever there, uh, which is pretty neat. We've got a new racetrack uh, come, you know, uh, debuted. Uh, it was an existing track, obviously. There was a horse track there, a half mile horse track on the big fairgrounds at Bloomsburg. Uh, they used to run midgets there. And last time was in 1987, though. Uh, they had the, the last time they ran, a car midget flipped onto the flipped into a food stand during at the fair and after that i guess they uh <laughs> they didn't have races anymore luckily nobody uh was hurt when that happened but uh i think that was sort of like the end of the the racing uh, there uh but they decided to build a racetrack three eighths mile in the infield of it which uh max blair who won on saturday says uh him and his father decided that that's the thing that they uh, all the big fairgrounds should do just take that big fairgrounds and build a smaller track in the infield they like that instead of having the big old uh, sprawling race tracks but it was neat to see a new track i mean and i i've never been i actually went to i went to I went to college uh, an hour from there in Lock Haven from, you know, and, and I went to Bloomsburg before I've been there from when I was in college, never went to the fair there, never seen the fairgrounds. And it's a huge fairgrounds, really big place and had a good atmosphere, has some trees in the pits that they have outside of three and four. And uh, the big old cover grandstand had a great atmosphere with a bunch of the fair, you know, little stands there where they, uh, uh, the little trucks and stuff, the little food stands, all kinds of different stuff to eat. So it had, had a pretty neat uh, feeling going through the place. And, and I think they could really develop that. I mean, and I'm, uh, hopefully they get the racetrack right. I mean, it was the first race. It got dusty with the USAC sprint cars and the, and the ULMS late models there. Uh, they didn't get to run. They didn't get to work it before the feature because it it did. There was a storm like right on the doorstep of the track. So they had to push things. But uh, I, I think that's a place where they could have some some pretty big events uh, um, if everything works out right. And they and they get a hold on the racetrack and get some good racing, especially with uh, so many of the big tracks in Pennsylvania. It's nice to have that smaller one, a little uh, more compact racetrack that might uh, have some good racing, give a little bit more uh uh, diversity to the Pennsylvania racing scene. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what could develop there in the, in the coming years. Kevin, that's not where hot dog Smith got his nickname. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I, but um, I've never heard of hot dog Smith. Could you, what about him? Do you know what, give me a little background? There? Uh, well, he's just sprint car racer from up Northeast. I thought you <laughs> might know him. What about, what about cheeseburger know. from over cheeseburger from over at uh, Cherokee? I know you well, know cheeseburger. I do like cheeseburger. I know cheeseburger because every time I put a, a turkey race on, it thinks it sounds like the announcer saying cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. So I, I well, like listening to them. I do not think cheeseburger has ever flipped into a uh, concession stand, though. So I'm not sure. Right. He just it would have to be a cheeseburger stand, though. 
he could jump right out and he could have some grab something off the grill, I guess, if he did. So, uh, but yeah, it did happen there, and and uh, I'm not I'm not surprised. It was a, they were running on a horse track, a midgets on a big half mile horse track. So it wasn't the most. It was a little dangerous, I think, back in the day, but. Uh, you know, now they had a three eighths mile right down in the middle of the track. And I think that's a much better option. One day we'll have to do a, a segment on our favorite driver nicknames and, and see if we can figure out the stories of how they earned them. But, uh, that's for another day. I'll finish up my one more thing. Uh, I'm gonna mention Jesse Stovall winning the second night of Lucas Oil, uh, the Lucas Oil MRA, MLRA tours, uh, visit to, uh, Selena Highbanks there. Uh, and I'll mention it because the last I'd heard of uh, Stovall was at the show me where he had had some back issues after his heat race. I think he had to go to the emergency room and uh, he got checked out and cleared. And obviously he's back, uh, seems healthy and winning. So good to see him back uh, back on the track and back winning there with the, the MLRA tour. So I believe that's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. We uh, appreciate everyone for hanging out and listening with us and we'll be back next week with uh some more to uh talk about and maybe even laugh about with all these jokes these guys got we will uh talk to y'all next week